Welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. I'm Dr. Deepan Carr. Hi, I'm Dr. Ravinder Rindala. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. So today we'll be sharing our conversation with Dr. Stephen Huang, a graduate from the University of Waterloo and the owner of Respect Eye Care in Calgary, Alberta. Stephen has done an amazing job in making Respect Eye Care stand out from the other practices around him. He carefully curated a unique brand and clinic design, an attractive website and social media profile, and a very welcoming environment for his clients. So we wanted to learn all of his secrets on how he made Respect Eye Care a successful practice, even within just the first year of opening his practice. We hope everyone takes a lot of information away from this conversation today and gets inspired to either create their own clinic or maybe even rethink the design of their current clinic to emphasize what you provide for your patients and how to stand out from the crowd. Dr. Huang, thank you so much again for coming on to our podcast. We're really excited to talk to you today. And for any of our listeners who don't know who you are just yet, could you please give us an introduction about yourself? Absolutely. So yeah, my name's Steve and uh, I'm from Calgary, Alberta. I graduated from University of Waterloo 2013. I am married. I have a son. His name's Eli and I'm, we're actually expecting another baby boy. We just found out the gender last Wednesday, actually. We were, we were actually considering not um, finding out. The first one, we, we chose to keep it a secret till the very end. Uh, and so that was a good experience. But for this one, we decided, well, maybe having that anticipation would actually create a bit of a stronger connection with our uh, upcoming child. And so we decided to find out. And since then, like, since I know it's a boy now, like I have visions of all these fun things we're going to do as a father son and like as the brothers like the two little siblings will play <laughs> yeah, with each other so how it's, cute. It's, it's formed an instant connection and i think what's helpful for us i know this is sidetracking but uh for those who are <laughs> young, young young parents um it's just that i think it's going to be helpful because we'll talk about we talk to the baby in front of our son so then mm-hmm. when hopefully when the when the baby comes it won't be such a foreign concept and that he yeah. recognizes that there is someone coming in and as um, a brother yeah as a brother that's right yeah yeah, so then I opened up Respect uh, just uh, November 2019. But prior to that, I had worked primarily in central South Alberta. I did the whole drive-in, back and forth, hour and a half commute there. And I just took whatever job, wherever the wind would take me. Uh, and so finally, I got tired of doing that. And uh, but yeah, in my first career, unfortunately, I had very uh, career ADD. I would hop around every different clinic. And after a year and a half, I would get very bored. I, would, uh, I just found that offering patient care and the type of experience that I thought we could offer as a, as a profession was lacking. And so I would try different places to see if I could find a place I would do what I, what I had envisioned. And of course, nothing could, could meet that. And so that led to me to finally create and respect eye care. Uh, why I chose to get into optometry is because I grew up wearing glasses and contacts. And uh, you know, I, when I went to see my old eye doctor, uh, Dr. Hoover, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, that was you were my old eye doctor and so yeah he um, he was I kind of just thought it was a really cool experience I just thought they were very it's a fascinating industry and a profession uh, I love helping people to see clear I think there's no better satisfaction than putting that pair of glasses or contacts and people seeing like I can, I've never seen the best I've ever seen before I think that's the greatest satisfaction you can have as a healthcare provider and uh, and really I just what I love about optometry is that we're one of those unique healthcare professions that have that retail and medical Uh, tied very intimately together. Mm -hmm. And so that gives a lot of creative opportunities for a medical profession, which is really rare. Yeah. What's your prescription? 
was gonna say that, and I was like, "Are you nearsighted?" Can we guess? Are you like a minus? I'm gonna say a minus six. Yeah, I could see from your. Oh, you're like a minus. Yeah, you're definitely minus. I say I'll I'll go with minus five. Yeah, you guys got it. Minus five. Yeah. Yeah. All right, nice. Those optics lessons. I know, right here. Right here. For, for, for fairly recent grads, yeah, you guys have good experience. So ICO trained you guys well. So props to ICO. Can you imagine if we said plus? How scared yeah. would you be? Plus six. What kind of podcast is this? I'm out. I, would, I wouldn't judge your. Uh, I wouldn't judge your optimistic style. This yeah. is only a podcast, right? <laughs> so Stephen, first of all, big congrats on opening your own practice. That is a huge accomplishment. You know, that's like a dream of many optometrists wanting to open their own private practice and you kind of made it. What do you think makes the design of Respect Eye Care Clinic space unique? And how did you come up with such a unique design? Yeah, it's uh, this is a good question because I thought long and hard prior to come open Respect. Uh, so when I, you know, as I during my first four or five years of practicing, I, uh, I thought about you know, what are these pain points that I feel like I, we continually hear and you're going to start hearing this often as your career starts to grow. And so there'd be lots of things I recognize and people would say, but we never actually acted on or responded to those. And so in terms of the design specifically, um, you know, for some of the inspiration I originally got, because I wanted to create a space that was very inviting, um, very modern, but also had a bit of warmth to it. And so it didn't have to be so sterile and, and very high end looking. Uh, and so I used a lot of inspiration just from like my travels. I would travel, like one of my favorite places to travel is Denmark, Copenhagen. And so the Scandinavian have really great taste on design. Yeah. And so I took a lot of inspiration from like some of their, like uh, their just architecture, uh, coffee shops. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of coffee shops around the world that I took a lot of concepts from. Cause I just thought coffee shops are such a wonderful place. Cause that's where people spend mm-hmm. a lot of time. They usually feel yeah. very comfortable there. They usually like to read. So there's a, it comes with a lot of, um, I guess a certain like association and, and experience for people. So from there I used Pinterest and obviously created board. And, and that's where I kind of started to put an image again. I, quickly realized like there was a, a theme on some of the, the images I, I preferred, like certain tones. And so um, if you go on our website or you see some of our images online, um, a lot of the color palette is mostly white with uh, black as the accent and also wood colors. I just thought that was a really beautiful color. So I didn't have to use actual colors like red, green, like those typical colors to, to show that the, this is a very specific brand. Uh, and, and then after that, I just, I thought about, okay, what the pain points I've learned you know, I hate the idea of a reception desk. I hate that there has to be this spot that everyone has to funnel to. Mm-hmm. It's always um, uh, a traffic jam with patients checking in, checking out. So I'm like, well, do we have to have a reception desk? And so that was something that I wanted to challenge my my designer who I ended up hiring, uh, Joel Meza, Meza Design Studio. If you guys want a, my recommendation, like that's the one I went to. He's from Ontario. Uh, he's become really popular now. He does a lot of optometry offices now. Um, other areas was like, I just hated that all our office rooms had to be like compartmentalized. You can tell that it's like owned probably by a man, by a male. That's how we typically think is compartmentalization, right? Yeah. <laughs> and again, it makes sense, right? Because we're medical. So we, we want that sense of privacy. But I thought, is it does it have to be every single room has to be a room, like walled off four walls. And so it, again, with my, my existence space right now, um, we have basically just a long, what I call a workbench. So it's a long table. And so people can kind of hover around it and circle, go, go around it in any way they want. And so I wanted to create a free form where it didn't have to be dictated by like 
here is you have to go here and here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I like that because it makes it feel a lot more free. And I think a lot of people can tell right away. It, it creates less sense of a medical experience. And I think people feel less uh, anxious because I think, unfortunately, coming to a medical practice can come with certain anxieties for a lot of people. And then as you kind of channel from the front to the back, um, I have it so that the contact lens area, what we call the contact lens area, the insertion removal area, um, I have it kind of semi-partitioned with like um, slit woods. Again, you have to look at the pictures. So it gets, again, I'm starting to create the experience that as you go from the front to the back, there is a sense of increase in privacy. And then at the very back room, like it's not completely walled off, but I have you know an actual partition with like a darker tone of gray of paint. So again, I'm like, well, hey, we're optometrists. We should know how to use like colors and other things, visual perception to create that type of illusion. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm not, I, I never aced that class, visual perception, I hated it. <laughs> Dr. Hobbes, I remember his name still. Uh, yeah, I did very poorly in that class, but uh, at least I took some things away, I guess, a little bit, but that's how I created the experience. Uh, yeah. So those were the kind of key features I, I integrated into the, des- the design. And um, the last thing I, I, I want to really, really make sure was to like dedicate like the proper amount of space for the retail. And, and so mm-hmm. it's just, I've seen so many clinics I walk into, uh, this is before, of course, open respect, that they would have this like tiny little area, this nook that is crammed with probably like four or 500 pairs of glasses, right? On those little yeah. nose pegs. Uh, yeah. They're trying to maximize the space, <laughs> yeah. right? And so you have this little space that's probably maximum, I would have to say probably 33%, like a third of the practice. And yet we know, at least uh, practice owners will know, like generally, if you have a retail offering, like a eyewear, it's going to be typically 60, that's probably on the low side to anywhere to 80% of your revenue, right? So I thought it was unfair to, to only dedicate such a small amount of space. So our space is only about 50% because um, obviously it comes with certain things that have exam rooms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then um, the last thing is with the eyewear, I just, I just really got tired of seeing the same way to display eyewear. It's like on those little nose pegs that <laughs> get lined up row yeah. by row, or they just get like, just put on a glass shelf that gets dusty all the time. Uh, and so I decided to do it so it's on flat wood shelves. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was more like uh, approachable to grab. It's natural more to grab that kind of stuff. And um, I actually tie a lot of uh, our eyewear with like little merchandise and little pieces to help kind of create a tell a story of each of the eyewear. And again, we get uh, many, many feedback on that. They felt like it was just a, this is a much easier shopping experience than just most yeah. other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we can all safely say that the nose pegs and the fr- like those frame boards are done. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> if you open a new practice now in 2021, you made the wrong choice if you chose the <laughs> nose pack framework. They're just still really that. popular now, though. Like even in Lethbridge, with a lot of, I there's a couple doctors that are opening up clinics, and they'll still like the the nose pegs. Like yeah. how a typical clinic is set up, yeah. they it, they won't stray from that. Yeah. So like what Steve is saying, all these new ideas, it just seems so much more attractive to like go to and yeah. be like, Oh, this is new. And like fun yeah. to look at, you know, I really would re- like, hopefully people would uh, take to heart that like from our experience anyways, like showing less is way more like, oh, so yeah. we yeah. only have like four to five frames per shelf. So in a column, we mm. only have about 12 to maybe 15 frames, but we have a lot of drawers. So we use a drawer system, which I was mm-hmm. yeah. kind of worried about, but you know, not presenting everything people might, kind of take a quick browse and they would just like walk away but the experience here has been complete opposite because there's less uh, and we know this paradox of choice i think that's from mm-hmm. like yeah I don't know who, mm-hmm. who the author is bob schwartz or something like that mm-hmm. um so anyways he made that popular and that's the idea is that when you have too many options it actually yeah. creates a paralysis right 
And so yeah. with us having less eyewear, people actually end up going slower because they're actually able to take their time and look at each individual piece. Uh, and also it helps because we create a bit of an experience within like a kind of a world within each of the areas. Yeah. 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 It becomes overwhelming. Like it's yeah. almost like, you know, like looking through something at winners, you know, like you just have so much selection. You're yeah. like, you get overwhelmed. Whereas like when you just see the, the, the product right there in front of you and it's easier to like, yeah, look at each one and try it on and oh, yeah. kind of find what you like. For yes. sure. And so talking about frames, the frames that you sell in your clinic are mainly from independent makers from around the world. And so how did you end up finding these companies and how did you choose which types of frames would be sold at your clinic? Should I give the whole secret or should I just give part of it? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Give us everything. We're desperate. We're give desperate for this, this information. I'll give you, I'm just joking. I'll, I'm happy to share, obviously, because it was a, it was an interesting experience. I didn't, so what, what led me to do this was primarily from two of my classmates. And I noticed you guys had interviewed uh, some Waterloo grads from my class year too, like Dr. Andrea Lasby. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. In terms of the, the inspiration, it came from actually three of my classmates who opened up in Toronto. So St. Lawrence Eye Care in St. Lawrence, Toronto, and also uh, in Ottawa, Eyes in the Gleep. Uh, so those are great clinics to check out, by the way. But yeah, they had started off ahead of me. So they got to open up the practice about two years, three years ahead of me. And so they stumbled upon what this, what we call independent eyewear. So basically non-Luxotica product. Yeah. And so I didn't really know much about this. And I thought it was a, like a huge, like hocus pocus, like, okay, sure. Fancy eyewear, you guys sell at a higher price. Like that's all it is. And so as I journeyed to build my practice, I just said, well, I hate to sell the same brand Ray-Ban that one somewhere next door can have two online, they'll sell it for you cheaper. So what's the point of, of all fighting for the same bottom of the barrel yeah. So that's what got me to force me to have to at least look into it. And so once I looked into it, I started to realize it's a whole world of eyewear industry that I had no idea. Yeah. And so um, that's where I started. I started looking at my classmates, seeing what type of clinics, what kind of brand lines that they carried. And then from there, I started branching off at, okay, well, what other high-end opticals in the city that I live in, other major cities across Canada, in the States. And so again, you start to see trends where like, okay, it looks like there's about like eight to 12, like really common brands that people start to carry. And so obviously I don't know what these are all, like why they're unique and why they're special. And so I decided just to reach out to them. And then they, I just asked, hey, do you have like a North American Canadian rep? I decided just to email them. And I always included pictures of my clinic because I knew it was going to be different. And I told them why my vision of the practice and that we only carry, we only plan to carry independent eyewear because they don't like hearing that, hey, you're going to carry Ray-Ban, Oakley, Nike, mm-hmm. because it just clashes with them. They still offer it. There's clinics that do it and opticals that do it. So from there, I just kind of started to meet with certain ones and, and, and time and wise, I got lucky because a lot of them were looking to expand in our city, Calgary, just because Calgary is quite um, lacking, I thought. And so that was lucky for me that in my own city that there was an opportunity to open up another in, a fully independent eyewear place. You know, I don't wear glasses anymore, so I'm just not, you know, in the frame market, look browsing frames, but I'm still surprised that people care a lot about the the brand name yes because Still there are thing. so many amazing frames out there that every time I walk into an optical I immediately just look at the frames and just you know mm-hmm. what what are the shapes what are the colors I don't even notice what brand it is because I just want to make sure it looks good on my face you know if mm-hmm. that's something I'm going to be wearing and I feel like a lot of these independent brands are really uh reaching out to the younger generation because I feel like the younger generation isn't really paying attention to the name anymore. They want mm-hmm. to 
just get something that looks good and compliments them. Yeah. And at a better price too. Right. Like, and a better price. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I think um, like obviously one, the the brand, like it shows you how powerful a brand is. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, those ones that are infamous out there. uh, And so that's why it's important for us to look at brand in our own business. Right. Because of how powerful that can be. But also to say that that's part of the reason why I kind of fit with that millennial crew uh, because I, I don't like wearing stuff that's like got the big brand name on it, LV, yeah. Gucci, whatever it is. And that's not yeah. my jam. And so I just, I guess I kind of naturally just gravitate towards these things because it kind of fits with my own core principles and my values. Yeah. So Steven, how do you think your own brand message and clinic design gives the average patient a different experience when they choose to have an eye exam at Respect Eye Care? For us, like, and I'm still tinkering on this, obviously. I'm not going to say I'm by far perfect on it, but I, I I thought it was really important to invest in, like, hiring a designer, a graphic designer, to actually design the brand of respect. And so the reason was because I just felt like there, every message point, you know, from your website uh, to when they come in to the interior design, like, it all has to be consistent because at any point, if there's an inconsistency, I think humans are very good at picking up those kind of little, what we'll call flaws or errors. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I think we're trained to do. And so that's why I decided to invest in it. And honestly, as you look into it, I know a lot of publishers might say, well, that's kind of a waste of money. Like, why would you spend like $5,000 on doing something like that? That like really is not tangibly going to make you money right away. Uh, but mm-hmm. I took the risk of doing that. I thought it was very important. I thought it would differentiate ourselves. And a lot of the independent eyewear owners I would talk to, they say, Steve, you're going to be 99% different than everyone else right off the get-go. So having those brand assets was really important because then I could stretch it and put it in my social media, my website, even at this mm-hmm. uh, insider shop, so that, that people can hopefully now start to create that experience. Um, the website, of course, is is still, I think, the biggest um, driver for a lot of the business and for the, a lot of bookings. I know there's some optometrists in the States. Uh, I think there's a, uh, anyways, one of the optometrists in the States, he's big about like uh, Yelp and like uh, and yep. using Google and, and all of those. And, and those are obviously very valuable. And I think even Justin Bazan, this one guy I followed in New York, he uh, was big that he thought Facebook would like, you could pretty much just do everything on Facebook, right? And I'm sure, you know, depending on where they are in, in their area, mm-hmm. that they can probably make use of that. But mm-hmm. for us, at least generally in Canada, I think is the website, the primary driver. And so that's why the brand assets is super important for that. And so I wanted to create a website that was very simple messaging, very clean, and had a very specific look to it. And so that's why I ended up hiring a photographer, models, uh, got, I, I found vol- volunteers for models to do our, to rock our eyewear. And then we showed pictures because again, you know, the moment you show generic stock photos, Everyone knows that they are. And so it just automatically creates the message in someone's head that you're a generic place and that you're not willing to invest in that kind of experience and that time, right? Um, And so through the website, through the social media that we've created and also the interior design, we've created an experience where basically people don't even ask us about the price of the eyewear. Like they they will at the very end, of course, before they're about to purchase. But uh, if you can believe it, I actually don't show any price tags on any of our eyewear. We don't have any little numbers written on the lenses. We don't have little sticky Mm -hmm. price tags sticking on the side of the temple. But I think because we were able to create a very cohesive and consistent brand message that, hey, like we're actually here, we offer something that's quality and that we're here to actually take care of you, that uh, that type of question and resistance already is like met at the door. Like we don't have to even like, deal with a lot of those questions when they come into Mm -hmm. the space. And that's insane. Like you're only one year in and you're already developing all of that trust with your patients where, you know, some of these clinics that have been open for maybe five, 10, 15 years are still probably getting that attitude from some people that walk in. 
Um, and it just shows that the money you invested in all those additional things, um, like the graphic designer, the interior designer, the photographer, things that yes, you could do yourself, but hiring those professionals, there's a reason why they're professionals. You know, we're professional optometrists. We're not letting other people do our exams. And there's a reason why. And those other designers that you hired, they know what they're doing. And I feel like that did make you stand out from all of the other ODs in your area and even around the world because, you know, you put in the time and money for that and it, it paid off for sure. Well, yeah. thank you. I mean, you guys don't know my actual <laughs> book, so yeah. you can't actually speak how successful, but we are still standing and we're still having our doors open, yeah. I guess. But yeah. No, it, but I, it, I, it, I, yeah. I was just going to say, because, you know, when we interviewed um, Dr. Danielle Gordon for Sphere Optometry, it's a, it's the same thing. You know, she mm-hmm. designed her clinic on her own, but she also had an interior designer who was close with her. Um, she hired a professional photographer to take pictures of her clinic on her website. So again, these are the things that are making you guys stand out because you're stepping aside, you know, and letting that other professional come on in and bring their ideas and their, you know, unique eye into um, making your clinic something that stands out for your patients. It definitely does pay off. Cause I think even with your website, that's what drew me in to mm-hmm. your website. Like I went through like everything in your website. Cause I was just curious about it. Yeah. And I don't even live in Calgary right now. And I wasn't <laughs> even going to book an eye exam. I was just like, what is this? This is <laughs> yeah. so different. Like, yeah, this is very interesting. So, and that was the same thing with, um, Dr. Daniel Gordon's website too. It just mm-hmm. draws you in. Cause it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, but speaking of targeting, like which demographic you want to bring into your clinic, right? Uh, so a child, a millennial and a senior will have different ideas as to what will make their retail and medical experiences a great one, right? So therefore, in your opinion, how can you build and maintain a unique brand that also caters to the wants and needs of patients of all ages? So this is actually my favorite question. I was I was hoping that you'd bring in something <laughs> like this up, but just because um, I'll be curious what the comments will be like, because I, I don't know if this will be controversial in any way. Uh, but so my take, again, this is just from my personal experience, is coming into the practice. So I had practice in many different settings, corporate, private, you know, opticals, uh, small town, big city, all these mm-hmm. things, right? And so I did all of it. I've seen, I've seen the seniors, I've seen the kids. Uh, so I, I got to get a feel of, okay, what type of patients do I normally like to, to I prefer to see, right? And I, I hope, this, so I don't know if I'm going to be one of those bad optometrists who, <laughs> who gets the pick You're and on choose. the right podcast for that. We'll, we'll just say that yeah. right now. All right. Well, I hope this is a safe zone. This is a safe zone, yes. right? Have you heard our happy hour episodes? You probably no, haven't. No, because I haven't. This is a really safe zone and a non-judgment zone. Non-judgment. Yes. Okay. Well, if I'm judged, that's fine. But I just, so again, coming into open and respect, I, again, I thought of pain points, right? And so full disclosure, I love seeing kids. I love their, I actually love doing their eye exams. It's actually one of my fun parts of my day. It's just to do them back to back all day. Two reasons I don't, really, I don't really like it. One is that, you know, it gets tiring, right? It gets tiring. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to speed through these things. These kids have very low attention span. So you're trying to motor through that. And that's fine. Uh, and the second part is from a business standpoint, like you just, they don't produce a lot of money, right? And so mm-hmm. they don't produce a lot of money for the practice directly. Again, I get it. It's a service. You're providing a service for the family. You're hoping that the whole family will come. Okay. 
And so I never, I never ever, um, I guess, kick anyone out or like, you know, discriminate. <laughs> but it, it's been fascinating because how I created from the onset from respect is that uh, we, we don't actually get a lot of like this, the, the, the outliers. So the kids yeah. under 18 years old and the seniors over 65, we still yeah. get them and I still see them. I love doing the RIA exam. But it's amazing because I don't know if it's because of the brand or, or the website or whatever it is, um, but we don't get that. And we actually get primarily the working class. And that's the, the population that I kind of geared my practice towards. Again, yeah. I'm still offering something for a little bit of everyone, but we don't, we actually don't offer kids glasses. We don't have kids frames yeah. at all. I actually had a small little stash of it, like maybe like eight or 10, just in case there's like some kids who come through never really happened and yeah. so i just got rid of all my kids glasses i don't have any safety glasses i don't have any sports glasses mm-hmm. uh what else do we offer <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else but, don't but, we have in this clinic <laughs> but budget packages like budget budget eyewear we like completely scrapped that and so i was very nervous about that right especially because i worked at a lot of practices that offered all those things i thought mm-hmm. that maybe i'm missing something because of that i think we've created a practice that like people kind of get that and mm-hmm. so it's hard right we turn away people obviously indirectly uh, but I think that we need, we need to know like what we are one passionate about doing and yeah. two, we can only offer so many things. We can't be all things to all people. When you try to yeah. do that, that's what ends up happening. You'd be very generic. You can't offer strongly any specific area. So that's kind of what we chose. And so, yes, unfortunately we don't, I guess we do take care of all eye exams of all ages, but in terms of specific offers for products, uh, we're very selective. I wouldn't feel bad about saying that at hmm. all. There are a, a million ODs that, I mean, right. I've personally met in school and during my residency that will very bluntly say, I don't want to see anyone under 50. Like, don't, <laughs> don't talk to me, send, kick them out, send them to someone else. Or someone will be like, I hate everybody above the age of 18. Like, I, <laughs> I, I only want to talk to kids. I don't want to deal with parents, adults, seniors. Mm-hmm. Everyone has like their niche and it, it clearly is, you know, yours is the millennial and that middle-aged adult because of the style and the design. Like your kids are not going to appreciate those wooden shelves. <laughs> They're not no. going to care. <laughs> yeah, but the 35-year-old working adult with a family yeah. or, you know, with their own sense of style will. So, yeah. and seniors can't see the wooden shelf. So they you know, <laughs> But yeah, no, that's true. Like, I I mean, obviously your, the clinic and your website, you know, we all became interested in it. We're all millennials and we were like, yeah, we would definitely go to a clinic like this. Um, And I think uh, one thing you did say was really important. Just when you try to cater to everyone, you kind of, you know, miss the point there. And when Mm -hmm. you try to cater to one group of people and work hard at that, you can become really successful at doing that, which I think you already have become successful at that and you're doing it really well. Same thing like a specialist, right? Like there's some offices that will try to do everything. They'll try to do VT, scleral lenses, like what else? Whatever else, just throw it in the (laughs) mix. (laughs) They'll try to do everything. They'll try to be like a comprehensive everything, but sometimes it's just okay to pick one thing and just stick with that, like, right, what you're good at. And that's kind of what your brand is, right? Like your brand is targeting a certain group of people and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that, you know, and that's, it caught our attention for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Because we try to catch their attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Oh, ladies, you make me so feel so much better. This but is a very should. safe. No, I feel very <laughs> yeah. comforted. And but very, you should very... feel you should yeah. feel really proud about what mm-hmm. you have yeah. created because it yeah. is so different from what we have seen 
for yeah. so long. Like mm-hmm. I'm not for so even, long and we've only yeah. been out for a year. Yeah. And we're and already acting yeah. like we've been practicing for 50 years. So tired <laughs> of everything. <laughs> yeah. But it's so nice to yeah. see something like this. So that's so refreshing yeah. and new and unique where it's like, Oh my God, like, you know, if I ever plan to open up something, mm-hmm. these are the kind of practice owners I'm going to look up to, you know? I do have one more question for you. Do you ever plan to expand your clinic where you might hire more doctors and kind of go open multiple locations? Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, no, that's a good question because, uh, you know, I never even thought of that in the first year, but it's interesting now that you're um, in business, you know, I talk and I talk to other business owners too. That's not just in the eye care industry. Um, like I have a friend who's a cafe owner in the city monogram. And so we talk a lot and, and it's interesting because I, I told him, hey, is it possible to just, you know, be comfortable as a business owner, just coast in, just, you know, I'm happy where things are at. I don't need to really grow that much. And he basically looked at me in the eye and said, if you're not growing, you're not a business. Like it's not mm. possible to do that. And so that's, I, I still am wrestling with that. But overall, um, yes, of course, you know, those dreams, I had those dreams prior to open up respect. Um, I did create respect with the uh, second room, a uh, second exam room, because we had the amount of space. It's about a 15, mm-hmm. I think it's about a 1500 square feet space, but it's very easy. It depends on your configuration too. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I didn't want to be just the only doctor, like for the, for the revenue to be only reliant on myself, mm-hmm. um, that, that hopefully within the space, I could create an opportunity that there's at least two doctors. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess it, it's on my mind, but I really don't have it in my heart to do it. I don't want to be that I, I never went into this intentionally to be one of those go- owners who had to open up like two, three different locations. And I think part of it is because, uh, but when they offer too many things, they dilute their services and then end up really, I think, diluting their cost. And so they have to end up expanding because that, that one little location can only offer, like it's only service so many people. Right. And, and also part of that is also restricting their brand. So when you call your clinic, you know, Dr. Whatever an associates, or you call yourself, uh, you know, suburb insert suburb community. Yeah. I care. You know, basically, you've told everyone, "Hey, we are only for this area here." And so, mm-hmm. of course, you're limiting. Your, you're already limiting yourself, and a brand is not intended to be that. You'll never see any successful brand do that. Mm-hmm. And so, I was hoping that's why I chose the name Respect. And there's other names mm-hmm. I could have gone with, but something basic that was a little bit less uh, tied to a specific area or tied to a specific clinic, because. There's not many products that we can actually offer that is unique, but luckily we have that. And so I, I kept that in mind. And so I created respect, you know, hoping that, you know, we don't have to just be in this community, Inglewood, Ramsey. So I guess in terms of the only like summary one is for a lot of people is when you, when you go into creating your, if, if on your heart, you choose to decide that you want to be a business owner, you not only become a business owner, but you get stuck working in your business, right? But as a business owner, your goal is to work on the business, not in the business. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're doing yeah. that, then you're, you're, you're pretty much going to kill yourself, right? And like, yeah. and you're, you're going to work yourself down. You're going to burn yourself out. And that's why we see a lot of that because being a doctor full-time already is quite, it, it can be very involved. And so mm-hmm. I just hope that, you know, obviously there'll be a season or time that will require you to work in the business fully, but you mm-hmm. have to always keep in mind time, eventually that that timeline, you know, two, five years, whatever it is to segue yourself out. Because if you continue to work five days a week, see patients eight hours a day and expect yourself to be able to run a really successful practice, I think will be very challenging. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing is just, yeah, just really having a clear direction of like, I guess who, what type of practice you want to do. Cause you can't just make a practice that, uh, although on paper it's like, Oh, this is such a, like, this like fits all the bills. This is going to like be such a unique offering. Like this is going to, like this fits this area. And so 
it's just that if you don't truly believe it and live it yourself, like it's going to be very clear by the time mm-hmm. the person comes across to, to you, to your staff, because uh, you have to emanate like a, that, that type of persona. And so it has to come really truly from where you are. So I would definitely hope that you don't open a practice just because it's, it's an opportunity to be successful. Uh, it's just something that you'd actually have to truly enjoy doing for sure. Yeah. All this information will be really good for our listeners because it's just really eye-opening for any of our new grad listeners who are thinking about opening a clinic and not really knowing what direction to go with their design, their brand, their ideas. And so mm-hmm. you've given a lot of information that's really going to put them at least in the right direction as to where to go from there. Well, so yeah, thank, thank you. you again, Steve, for um, all the information that you shared today. It was great. It was my pleasure. Thank you to everyone for listening to Four Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned. Stay tuned.